It's kind of interesting to hear all the different responses to that question, right? I mean, do you believe in, in miracles? Maybe you should really ask that question of yourself right, right now. Do you believe in, in, in miracles? Uh, if you've been showing up or, or really tuning into Grumlaw for any period of time, and I don't think I'm just saying this because I'm the pastor, I, I don't know how you could possibly answer that question, no. See, because almost every single week here at Grumlaw, we show you a baptism story, uh, which is a, a real person uh, that really is a part of this church, shares how Jesus has completely transformed their life. We, we saw that today with, with Anna. I, I, I don't know, maybe I have a loose definition of miracle. I, I would call that a miracle. What we saw last week in Christine's story, I would call that a miracle. What we saw two weeks ago in Anthony's story, I would definitely call that a miracle. To, to a certain extent, I, I feel like we're almost kind of spoiling ourselves by showing one of those videos every single week. But the, the reason that we go to all the trouble of, of capturing those stories is because we believe that it absolutely provides undeniable evidence that, that God is indeed working that he is performing miracles in the lives of so many people. God is working miracles all the time. My theory, and take it for what it's worth, is that we're just too busy. We're too distracted. We're maybe a little bit too focused on the negative to even see the miracles that are happening right in front of us. And and that's really kind of the premise for this entire series that we're in right now, titled, He Did What? See, see, in the series, we're looking at this, this guy. He's a real guy that regardless of how many times you've shown up to church, you've probably heard of him before. He went by the name of Jesus. He was walking around on the earth a couple thousand years ago. And, and Jesus, during his relatively short amount on time on earth, and by the way, if, if you're skeptical of Christianity, those are the types of details that you really can't ignore. You really just can't turn a blind eye to this, that, that Jesus's earthly ministry, it only lasted for about three years. He only went around for about a three-year period of time spreading what we now would refer to as Christianity, and yet here we are thousands of years later, and we're still talking about him. But Jesus, during this time on earth, he did a lot of stuff that made people's heads turn. There were a lot of moments where people said out loud, where people said to themselves, he did what? He performed he pulled off whatever you want to call it, quite a few miracles that sort of demanded the attention of the people around him, and I believe still demands our attention today. And fortunately for us, there were these four guys who went by the names of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John who documented the life of Jesus for us. Four guys who wrote down what they observed, what they witnessed, what they discovered about the birth, the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus. And, and today, as, as we head into part three of this series, we're going to be taking a look at a miracle. We're going to be taking a look at a topic that, that is so, so relevant to what is happening in our world right now. It was quite literally a life and death situation for Jesus that he was suddenly cast into. And I think that, as you will soon see, the response from Jesus to this situation ought to bring you an enormous amount of comfort in the midst of this storm that we are experiencing right now in our world. Now, if you haven't been tuning with us for this uh, entire series, we would really encourage you 
Uh, today, we're heading into part three, so we'd encourage you to catch up at grumlaw.com slash messages. You can listen to the messages there. You can watch the messages there. Or as always, you can find us under Grumlaw Church, wherever it is that you happen to grab your podcasts. Uh, and you might as well take advantage of this resource right now, because as I've been kind of saying throughout the series, uh, what the heck else do you have going on? Like, seriously, that's not a rhetorical question. Like, what else do you have going on? That's what I thought, so you might as well catch yourself up there uh, or even you know, go back and listen to some of our older series. We've been hearing that a lot of you are actually taking advantage of that, and we certainly love hearing that. That's something good that you can fill your mind with, uh, with all of the chaos that, again, we are experiencing in our world right now. But today, uh, if you would like to follow along, we're gonna be taking a look at a particular miracle that is recorded for us in, in the book of Luke. Not gonna assume that everybody knows who Luke uh, was. Uh, Luke was one of the four guys who, again, documented the birth, the life, the death, and the resurrection for Jesus right there at the beginning of the New Testament, kind of the second half of the Bible. But what I find so fascinating about Luke uh, is that Luke was actually a doctor. Luke was a physician. He, he didn't just believe things for the sake of belief. He didn't just believe things because a lot of other people happened to think that it was true. He needed the proof. He needed the evidence. And, and so he had been hearing a lot of things about this guy who went by the name of Jesus. And it all sounded so ridiculous. It all, it all sounded so far-fetched. So he actually dedicated the latter part of his life to thoroughly investigating the events surrounding the life of Jesus. And then he recorded the, for us those findings in this document, in this book that is called Luke. Uh, Luke also happens to be where right now we, we are reading as a church. One of the challenges that we've been throwing out to all of you is to read just one chapter uh, of scripture a day. A lot of you have never developed that daily discipline, and we want to invite you to do that right now, where, where a lot of you, you suddenly have a little bit more time on your hands, and we hope that you're using this time to invest in your relationship with Jesus like you never have before. So you can follow along with our Instagram and our Facebook stories where we're telling you where we're at every single day, but jump on board with that. Begin to read through the book of Luke, especially if you're skeptical of Christianity. Luke would be a really, really great place for you to start. So again, fortunately for all of us, Luke recorded all these findings for us in this document titled Luke. Uh, and one of those findings being the miracle that we're going to be taking a look at today that we find right at the end of the eighth chapter. It says this there, on the other side of the lake, the crowds welcomed Jesus because they had been waiting for him. There was a crowd waiting for Jesus on the other side of the Sea of Galilee. A little bit of background here will help the story again come a little bit to life. Jesus had just been on the other side of this lake, which is actually the Sea of Galilee. The Sea of Galilee actually isn't a sea. It's not salt water. It's fresh water. It's just a really, really massive lake. And so Jesus had been on the other side of the Sea of Galilee where he had just performed another miracle. We don't have time to dive into what that miracle was. You can go and read it for yourself. But the miracle that he had performed on the other side of the lake was so inspiring was so shocking that those people actually asked Jesus to leave, that they were fearful, right? rather than inspiring, just like, oh my goodness, we want to be a part of this guy's movement. They, they were terrified. They had never seen that type of power demonstrated in front of them. And so when, you know, it, Jesus heeds their request and as he makes it to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, as we see right here, that there's this massive crowd that, that is waiting for him. We talked a little bit about this already in this series, that, that, that everywhere that Jesus went, crowds would follow. He, he was the closest thing that, that back at this point in history that we had to a celebrity. If TMZ would have been a thing back at this point in history, there would have been at least five people permanently assigned to Jesus because everywhere that he went, he was doing things that caused a lot of shock, that caused a lot of awe. 
And, and perhaps the most notable reason that people wanted to be around and get a glimpse of Jesus because of, is because of what we are experiencing and what we're talking about in this series. It was because of the miracles. See, you start giving blind people sight, Crippled people start walking. You yourself go around and walk on water. It is going to garner some attention. And this wasn't just something that was a couple thousand years ago. I mean, if somebody started doing those things in present day, it would garner a lot of attention. In fact, this was actually precisely why, just in case you've ever wondered as you've been reading through these gospel accounts, why Jesus often performed these miracles in private. That he would actually ask people, and often quite sternly, to not tell anyone. He he was trying to avoid this celebrity circus act type attention that he so frequently received. Jesus was saying, and, and by the way, he still is saying, follow me because of the truth that I offer. Not, not because you're drawn to these miracles, not because you're so impressed by this one thing that I did, not because of these moments where you're temporarily impressed by my actions, because eventually he's going, come on, you, you're going to forget about the miracles. You're going to forget about how shocked you were in that moment. The, the awe it struck in you when I healed that guy, but my truth, the, the truth that I bring, that, that will last forever. And the same, when you think about it, is, is true in our own lives. We, we forget, don't we? We, we? we forget about those miraculous moments. We're so quick to get to that following day, that following week, that following year, and we don't even remember the miracles anymore. We can be so fickle, we can be so quick to forget, but, but what if we have that relationship with Jesus, that, 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 that truth is impossible to escape. So Jesus arrives on the other side of the Sea of Galilee and this, this massive crowd is waiting for him largely because they just want to see Jesus do another one of his tricks. And before I dive into what comes next right here, I, I got to warn you, this this morning is, is going to be a little bit like drinking from a fire hose because there's so much stuff here that, that is so shockingly applicable to what we are experiencing right now in our world. I probably shouldn't be surprised by this at, at this point because, because God seems to do this stuff all the time. But, but I, I literally wrote down that, that I was going to speak on this particular miracle about six months ago, obviously having no idea that we would be involved in what we're involved right now as, as, as our world. And, and the applicability and the overlap is, is absolutely insane. So seriously, I, I kind of had like this big old grin on my face the entire time that I was writing this message this week. God is so good. God knows, he knows, he knows. The story continues. It says, then a man named Jairus, a leader of the local synagogue, came and fell at Jesus' feet, pleading with him to come home with him. His only daughter, who was about 12 years old, was dying. Now, a couple of good old details here that, that are certainly worth noting. One, and as we talked a little bit about last week, the religious leaders, the, the, the leaders of the synagogue, they did not care very much for Jesus. They, they were all pretty much on the same page, but just in case, they, they sent out a fax to everybody that was a part of, of the religious leader clan and said, hey, Jesus is the worst. We don't like him. Stay away from him. Now, ironically, this is actually when faxing was invented about 2,000 years ago. Wouldn't you know it? We are still using that technology today. That's, that's a joke, but how are we still using faxing? Now, lots of different reasons <laughs> why these guys didn't like Jesus, but perhaps most notable 
was how Jesus would constantly call them out for the hypocrisy that he saw in their own lives. So you see, these religious leaders, as we talked about last week, had this way of imposing these laws, these rules on the people that were impossible to keep, that they themselves were not keeping. They didn't exactly practice what they preached. And Jesus comes along and he doesn't stand for it. He starts to call these leaders out on this stuff and they weren't used to that. Because of the incredible high esteem that they held at this point in society, they weren't used to people calling them out. So as you can imagine, Jesus and the religious leaders, they began to butt heads. So for Jairus to come and fall at the feet of Jesus, this was a big, big deal. And notice here, he doesn't do this in private. He does this in front of a massive crowd, a crowd that would have been largely comprised of Jewish people, people that would have been all too familiar with how the Jewish leaders felt about Jesus. This would have been shocking. But for Jairus, he was desperate. I mean, after all, this, this is his little girl. This, this is his child. Jairus is, is out of options, and so... He chose humility and asked for help rather, rather than pride, rather than anger. I, I believe that, that a lot of you who are tuning in right now, who, who are watching right now, would be wise to take a cue from Jairus. Rather than choosing what it is that comes naturally to every single one of us, Rather than choosing pride and anger and throwing a pity party for ourselves, every single one of you who are watching right now, you have the choice to choose humility. Listen, I know that with every passing day, that with every passing week, a lot more of you who are watching right now, you're dealing with job loss. You're dealing with very real issues. You're dealing with income loss. This illness that, that it's just, you know, completely taken over. It's no longer this thing in like this faraway distant land. For some of you, it is now affecting people that you care very deeply about. It has come right to your front door. I have no doubt that a good number of you who are watching right now, you're struggling and maybe you're angry about it. Perhaps your pride is getting in the way of you seeking help. And Jesus wants to invite you. I want to invite you to lay that down. Very practically speaking, if there's anything that we can help right now as a church, please don't wait any longer. Please don't allow these issues to compound. It is as simple as texting the word help to 810-510-0298. And listen, it doesn't matter if this is your first time tuning in or you've been coming to Grumlaw since day one. We, we want to help. This isn't just about helping people that happen to walk through the doors of our church normally. That This is about helping and, and being the hands and feet of Jesus to our community, our community who so desperately needs this help right now. See, the enemy wants you to keep this bottled up. He, he, he wants you to wallow around in anger and pity because it's in that isolation that you are never going to experience healing, that you are never going to experience freedom. To to use another example, I I had a friend that for years he was struggling with a pornography addiction. And over and over and over again, he he would tell himself that I could figure this out on my own. And and sometimes he, he would make it days. There were even times he would make it weeks. There were times he told me he would make it months, but eventually he would slip back into that addiction all over again. 
But, but he had this reluctance to share this with anyone else. His pride would not allow him to admit that he had an issue. The shame that came along with that often got in the way. But wouldn't you know it, once he had the courage, once he had the humility to seek help and bring it out into the light, it was demolished. It was then that he began to experience victory. For, for some of you, perhaps, if you're watching right now, now, we know that some of you are actually doing pretty well, that, that, that all this extra time with family has actually been shockingly refreshing. And, and maybe what you need to do is that, that God is nudging you to be that help to someone else. One of the things I really charged our staff with this week is like, man, when a name appears in your head, when a face appears in your mind, do not look at that as a coincidence. Please take the time to, to pick up the phone, call that person, text that person, and just ask them that all-important question right now. How are you doing? Dot, dot, dot. Really? Like, like, honestly, how are you doing? Worst case scenario, they're actually doing fantastic, and you just like gave the opportunity to have a conversation with, with a real human being. But perhaps, perhaps God put that name, put that face in your mind for a reason. Church, let's be the help that this world so desperately needs right now. But as we're going to see in this story, Jesus was not looking to simply help the physical. He, he, he had a whole lot more in mind. Now, now, it's also worth noting here as we continue to look through this story that there's actually a, like another miracle sandwiched in here from the time that Jesus encounters and meets Jairus to, to the time that he actually arrives at the doorstep of Jairus' house. Uh, I, I'm not ignoring that. It's just that we only have time to explore one of those miracles this morning, but you can go ahead and, and read that stuff for yourself. But we're gonna pick back up here in, in verse 49 where this miracle happens to commence. It, it says, a messenger arrived from the home of Jairus, the leader of the synagogue. He told him, your daughter, your daughter is dead. There's no use troubling the teacher now. See, this messenger saw the situation is over. Because maybe, maybe Jesus could heal an illness. But, but, but raise a, a dead person back to life? There, there's no way. And so he, he utters these words, there, there's no use troubling him now. I want y'all to kind of really give me your attention right now, bring it in, because I don't want a single person watching right now, however you're tuning in, wherever you're joining us from, please don't miss this. Jesus longs to be troubled by you. Jesus wants to hear from you. Jesus is never, ever, ever put off by you. Jesus is never annoyed by you. He has never been irritated by your persistence. I think that fact should be really, really comforting to us right now. That Jesus has never looked down on you and thought to himself, seriously, again? Like, well, what in the heck do you want this time? And, and listen, I, I get that this is really, really hard for us to understand because basically nowhere else in our lives do we experience that type of unconditional love and acceptance, except from maybe our mamas, but probably not even there. In fact, story that goes along with that just this last week, 
My wife was in the kitchen. She had just made dinner for our two oldest kids, a four-year-old and, and a two-year-old, and, and they were eating their meal, but they were being kind of squirmy. She's also holding our, our newly uh, four-month-old in her arms. She's going around the kitchen trying to do other things, and my son wants something. We don't really know what he wants, but he starts asking, Mommy, Mommy, Mommy. And, and, and with every time he says Mommy, it gets louder, it gets more high-pitched, and he's Mommy, Mommy. And eventually, my, my wife just kind of like stops, and she looks at him, and she goes, What? Malachi, now, now don't judge me because I just threw my wife under the bus. Let's make this very, very clear. For every time that my wife has a moment like that, you can multiply it by like 20 for me. There you go, all you fellow moms. I know you guys are like in some sort of a club together. I'm back to being the bad guy. But, but, but how incredible is it that, that Jesus never looks at you like that? That, that? that Jesus never looks at you annoyed? He never looks at you exasperated. He's never been irritated by your request. It is a patience and a love that is truly mesmerizing. Jesus wants to hear from you. He wants you to go to him again and again and again and again. He longs to do the impossible in your life and he wants to be troubled by you. What should you be troubling Jesus with today? The most persistent prayer that I am praying right now um, I, I shared a couple of weeks ago that my wife and I, uh, we became foster parents. We, we had a four-month-old baby that was just kind of dropped in our house out of nowhere and, you know, so incredibly exciting. And because of the abuse that uh, our new son has, has been through through the first four months of his life before he made it into our home, it, it's looking pretty likely uh, where we're optimistic that, that we're eventually going to be able to, to adopt him. Uh, now, one of the crazy things, and other foster parents have told me this, but you don't know it until you've actually like, experienced it yourself. It, it took me all of about three seconds for, for this child, for this baby boy, to feel every bit as much of mine, uh, of my wife and I's family, as, as one of our children, as our other two kids, as our biological kids. And, and, and so I have to admit to you that this is probably the biggest fear I've ever had in my life, that, that, that someday it's possible that this little boy could be taken away from my wife and I. And so you better believe the prayer that I am praying over and over and over again, the request that I am taking to God over and over again is that he will be ours forever, that we will eventually be able to legally adopt him. God has never responded to that request as many times as I pray it in a given day with, I got it already. Shay, this is the same thing you said yesterday. Enough. Andrea has been saying the same thing too. It's so annoying. Just relax about this thing. It's under control. No, no, no. He wants to hear from you over and over again. Our story continues. It says, but when Jesus heard what had happened, he said to Jairus, don't be afraid. Just have faith and she will. She will be healed. Notice that Jesus here does not say be less afraid or okay only be a little afraid or have less fear than than the people around you. No, No he flat out commands Jairus and subsequently all of us do not be afraid. If you haven't spent much time reading about the the life of Jesus, let me give you a little bit of a spoiler alert right here. 
Jesus said these words all the time. Do not be afraid. Because what Jesus is trying to communicate to all of us is he's going, don't you think that I care? Don't you think that I see the, the, the world and the mess it's in right now? Don't you realize who goes before you? He's going, I created the heavens. I created the earth. Did you really think I'm nervous? Did you really think I'm scared right now? And come on, everybody. We all have the benefit of hindsight. We know how this story ends. Jesus dies on a cross. And three days later, he rises from the dead. We know how much Jesus loves us because he already showed us how much he loves us when he died for us. And in light of that truth, Jesus is asking every single one of you who are watching right now, why are you so afraid? He's going, I already told you, but even more than that, I already showed you how much I love you when I died for you. So come running to me, he says, and, and I will show you that peace that really does surpass all understanding. I'll show you a peace even in the midst of this storm. Have faith in me, trust me, trust me who has proved his faithfulness throughout the history of mankind. To tr trust Jesus who died for you. When they arrived at the house, Jesus wouldn't let anyone go in with him except Peter, John, James, and the little girl's father and mother. The house was filled with people weeping and wailing, but he said these pretty shocking words. He says, stop the weeping. She isn't dead. She's only asleep. As mentioned, so often when he performed these miracles, he did so in private. He did so away from the crowds. As I was reflecting this week, when I think back to the miracles that I've experienced in my own life, most of them have come when I'm alone, when it's just me and Jesus. The, the, those moments where I so needed the comfort of my heavenly father have come when I've, when I've carved out that time for just me and him and, and right when I needed him the most. Right, right when I felt like I was at a breaking point. I, I feel his presence, his warmth, his peace, his love. Don't miss this. Jairus trusted God even in the midst of overwhelming odds and circumstances were stacked against him. I mean, after all, at this point, his daughter, she was dead. She had no pulse. She was gone. It is so, so important that we don't abandon hope in this crisis we are facing. Faith keeps us moving forward even when it doesn't make sense to most of the people around us. And sometimes we have to be brought to the brink of despair before we will see the miracle happen. 
See, one of the things that I so commonly hear from people is this. Well, well, well God never does anything like that in my life. And, and then, then the person usually gets a look on their face that is strikingly similar to when I tell my four-year-old daughter that she cannot have another Reese's egg. Maybe the reason, and I know this is a little in your face and this is challenging you a little bit, but maybe the reason that you have never seen God show up like that in your life is because you have never trusted him long enough to see the miracle happen. You keep getting to the same breaking point every single time and you lose faith, you give God the middle finger, you retreat back into self-pity and anger rather than truly trusting God and cling to his truth. I found in my life that, that I can truly take joy in those hard times, that the trying times, because it's in those times that, that a side of God is revealed to me that I would have never seen in the midst of everything going well. Most notice, no, notably, I experience a kindness from God that, that, that wouldn't have been found in the midst of a perfect life. Maybe you just keep stopping short of the miracle. And Jesus tells you, don't be afraid. Just have faith. Trust in him. But the crowd laughed at him because they all knew she had died. Then Jesus took her by the hand and said in a loud voice, my child, get up. And at that moment, her life returned. Other translations will read her spirit returned and she immediately stood up. Then Jesus told them to give her something to eat. How very practical of Jesus. Can we all for just a minute here admire the humility of Jesus? They, they laughed at him. They openly mocked him. And he still goes through with it. Th th this blows my mind because it is so opposite the character of human beings. And I won't throw you under the bus, but I'll throw myself under the bus. So opposite the character of me. In fact, right after I graduated from college, I, I took this job that was making me a whopping $24,000 a year. And one of the things that made it into my budget was I really still wanted cable TV. And in particular, I found the cheapest one was Dish Network. And I paid for Dish Network every week because I really like sports and I was not going without live sports. Now, my friend who was in a similar position making a similar amount of money, he thought this was hilarious. He could not believe that every single month I was throwing away $40 so that I could get live TV and he made fun of me about this all the time. Whenever he would notice that dish on the top of my house, he was like, oh yeah, you have Dish Network. What is wrong with you? You are just wasting your money. Now he thought this was really funny until the NBA playoffs came around and suddenly he wanted to watch live TV. And when you know it, he had the audacity to call me up and ask for my Dish Network password so that he could log into ESPN.com and watch the NBA playoffs. Now, how do you figure that I responded to that situation, to that request? I said, heck no. You ain't getting my Dish Network password. You have been making fun of me relentlessly. There is not a chance I'm giving you the password. And guess what? I never gave in. I promise you, I never gave him my login information. I was not about to allow him to enjoy the satisfaction of watching live sports because he had made fun of me so much. Think about that. I was so spiteful about my Dish Network password that I would not help one of my closest friends out. Jesus has people openly laughing and mocking him in his face on the precipice of performing one of the most astounding miracles of all time, and he still goes through with it. That, that, that type of humility, it makes me love Jesus so, so 
much. It says her life, or again, as I said, more literally translated, her spirit returns, and immediately she stands up. As I alluded to earlier, God doesn't just heal the physical, but but the spiritual as well. And for all of you watching right now, he wants to do the exact same thing with you. Now, don't get me wrong. God absolutely wants to see our physical needs being met. But, but more than that, he, he wants to see our spiritual needs fulfilled. Because he knows what we all deep down know to be true, that the physical is only part of the equation. That, that until you're healed and fulfilled spiritually, that the job is being left undone. Think about this. This is a good question to ponder. Do, do, do people really need self-help right now, which, which I'm seeing a lot of right now all over the internet? Or the Jesus antidote for the empty void in their lives? See, see I think right now, perhaps more than anything, what, what COVID is actually revealing is how desperately our world needs Jesus. I, I think it's revealing how much you need Jesus. That, that, that sneaking suspicion has always kind of been there, but, but now that, that, that some of your American comforts are being stripped away, it, it's just becoming a whole lot more obvious. Because now that you don't have stuff and money and things to cling to, well, where do you turn? And what we see here is, is seriously the best. And, and so many of you, again, who are watching right now, you need to hear this. You need to be reassured of this truth. Jesus sees you. Jesus cares. Jesus wants to comfort you right now. Even in the midst of job loss, even in the midst of illness, just like we saw with the girl, just like we saw with Jairus and, and how we see Jesus respond with compassion and mercy, he wants to do the exact same thing with you. Jesus sees you. He certainly hasn't abandoned you. He has not forgotten you. But, but will you have faith? Will, will you go running to him? Will Will you have that gyrus-type humility and, and fall to the feet of Jesus in desperation? You guys, Jesus has already broken down the walls. He, he already removed the barrier when, when he came down to earth and he died for you. It, it is officially your move. Her parents were overwhelmed. Other translations say astounded. But Jesus insisted that they not tell anyone what had happened. Why are we so astounded when God comes through? I mean, I, I kind of get it for Jairus, but, but come on. Again, we all have the benefit of hindsight. We already know how the story ends. We, we have all the miracles recorded for us. We know he rises from the grave. We, we, we've seen him throughout history come through again and again and again and again. So, so why do we meekly approach Jesus with request when he's already proven that he is going to win? That, that, that nothing can stand against him. 
We worship a God who is not dead, who is alive. He has conquered death, who has already won the fight. So let's go boldly to our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy. There we will receive his grace when we need it most. Like right now, God sees you. He knows your struggles and he wants to meet you in the mess that you currently find yourself in. So stop resisting, humble yourself, admit you need help and go running to him. And watch, watch how he comes through. Eagerly anticipate the miracle God wants to work in your life. But remember, as it says in this passage, Jesus does not want to be simply known as the miracle worker, a flash in the pan, the quick, short-term solution. But he is the renewer of life. He wants to be your life transformer, and and he wants to work that miracle in you. It's, It's a matter of you having the humility to admit that you need help and go running to him.